1: Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. Just a quick heads up, I'm recording on my backup equipment today uh, because my microphone failed, my regular microphone failed. So uh, we'll get it fixed for uh, next week's episode, but wanted just to give you that heads up. It's kind of fitting after watching the Buffalo Bills fall to the Tennessee Titans that my microphone would fail. And we'll get into all of that and what it means here in a second but before we do that i wanted to remind you you can call our show at 716-508-0405 you can tweet us at run q and a that's what the word and spelled out in the middle buffalo rumlings at sbnation.com is our email address you can also send facebook or instagram messages to us to get on the show so Before we get into those questions this week, let's take a look first at my five takeaways from the game. This is from immediately after the game. The disappearing defense, I think, was the story of the game. The Titans punted with five minutes and 15 seconds left in the first quarter. Um, It was the final time Tennessee punted all game. The defense allowed conversion after conversion after conversion, and most of them were on first and second downs because. When the Bills were able to get the Titans to third down, they were able to stop them for the most part. Uh, Tennessee was just four of ten on third down and one of one on fourth downs, so they only had five third or fourth down conversions out of eleven chances. So that's not—I mean, that's not a great conversion percentage for the Titans on third and fourth down. But Buffalo still wasn't able to stop Tennessee from scoring over the last forty-five minutes of the game. After that, Jordan Poyer. Interception that ended the first quarter. They want to be an elite scoring defense, but they allowed 34 points. It's tied for the most that they've allowed in a regular season game since they let Tennessee score 42 points in Week 5 last year. It was just not a very good showing from the defense. They got trucked. They got thrown over. Um, they were on their heels the entire game, not knowing what was going to be coming next, and Tennessee had the horses in the barn to do that. Moving to the 4th and game, uh, at the very end of the game, I don't know why this is so hotly debated. I thought it was a good decision uh, to go for it on fourth-and-one inside the Titans' five-yard line. In the moment, I thought that the Bills had a better team, and kicking the field goal it was at least an option. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I think it was much, 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 much better decision to go for it on fourth-and-one you've got Josh Allen 65, you know, 230, um, just a solid stud quarterback who should be able to get you a yard. Um you the Bills hadn't been able to stop the Titans since the end of the first quarter, like we just said. So going to overtime and, you know, letting it rest on a a coin flip when you haven't been able to stop Tennessee at all, I think is, you know, a 50-50 proposition as opposed to Josh Allen converting for one yard and then getting two or three chances at the end zone. I just think it was the right decision. Um, and, and then NBC or ABC, excuse me, ESPN, whatever you want to call it, Monday Night Football showed the stat that Allen had been successful on 13 of 14 fourth and one rushing plays in his career. So it was a, a high percentage play, much higher percentage than a 50-50 coin flip going into overtime, and I think it was the right decision to go for it on fourth and one. The Buffalo Bills are seeing red right now. Um, the red zone really was the determining factor in this game, even even with the defense allowing so many conversions from the Tennessee Titans. The Buffalo Bills would have won this game had they just been able to convert their red zone trips into touchdowns. Um, Buffalo had more total yards. They had a higher time of possession. The turnovers were equal. Uh, they held Tennessee to 40% conversions on third downs. In Buffalo, 28 first downs. Tennessee only had 16. Buffalo ran 22 more plays, almost 50% more plays, than the Tennessee Titans did. But Tennessee was 3 of 3 in the red zone, scoring 21 points on their trips. Plus, they had that really long conver- um, touchdown by Derrick Henry, um, in case you're trying to add it up in your head. But... Tennessee was three of three, converting in the red zone for touchdowns, and Buffalo was just two of five, scoring two touchdowns, two field goals. And then, of course, the turnover at the end of the fourth quarter. So the Titans had more penalty yards in the night, but the kickoff return was a a killer. Um, But the biggest stat was the red zone conversion percentage if buffalo converts just one of those touchdowns you know obviously that changes the rest of the game but if they convert just one of those touchdowns then the bills are you know driving for a game winning field goal at the end of the game instead of a you know game tying field goal at the end of the game and so obviously their decision making at the end would have been a much bit different so Cole Beasley is back. Um, The Bills targeted him on the first play of the game. And really just a lot, even on the first drive, twice on the first drive uh, for 21 yards. At the end of the first half, Beasley was the one that scored the touchdown after sneaking behind Tennessee's secondary. He had seven catches for 88 yards. Um, He just had one single target last week. And this week, seven catches on eight or nine targets and 88 yards with the touchdown. So a really nice bounce back game for Cole Beasley. They're going to need him going forward if they want to be successful. Um, Anyone who wants to trade him, I think, is barking up the wrong tree. Finally, the Bills were able to pull off the halftime double dip. They scored right before halftime, then got the ball back to start the second half and scored right after halftime to score 10 points while the Titans had only run one play And that was just to run out the clock at the end of the first half. Beasley's touchdown we just talked about gave them their 15th straight regular season halftime lead. A Tyler Bass 52-yard field goal gave them the other part of that double dip. It was 52 yards, so the Bills were at the 35-yard line. It wasn't a great drive to start the second half, but it was enough to put points on the board. We're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we'll get to all of the questions and they are just flooding in which is great because we have two weeks worth of shows without another bill's game so we'll answer some of the questions today and some of the questions next week stay tuned after this break <laughs>
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Our first question uh, from Twitter comes from Luke Russert. Uh, Tim Russert's son on Twitter gives Buffalo Rumblings a follow. So he saw our tweet for questions and asked, Our two losses have come from teams applying immense pressure on the line, especially the interior. Is there a way to fix this before the trade deadline? Before we talk about fixing it right this year uh, before the trade deadline, uh, I do want to just continue to mention that this was one of the reasons that I talked about interior offensive line being a probably their number one biggest need heading into this offseason. Maybe it's CB2 with Levi Wallace set to become a free agent. But I think that the interior of the offensive line is a very big need for this team heading into the 2021 NFL draft. And I think that they're going to have to invest in the interior of the offensive line, both for 2022 and beyond with uh, Mitch Morris getting older. John Feliciano and Daryl Williams both being you know a little bit hit and miss um and I think that's what Luke is asking here especially with regards to Feliciano Feliciano seems to be the one that's been giving up the most pressures I don't think that the answer is on the roster to uh, Luke's point I don't think Ike Butker subbing in for John Feliciano is going to solve any problems for the Buffalo Bills Uh, at least um not on a consistent basis, you know, and that's been Feliciano's problem he's been inconsistent. So if Butker is also inconsistent, it doesn't really help the problem. I'll give you one name to look at on the trade market, and that's Andrew Norwell from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville drafted Walker Little, an offensive tackle in the second round. This year in the draft, but he hasn't played yet because they have some solid players along their offensive line there in Jacksonville. And so if they want to move him into the starting lineup, maybe the Bills would be able to grab Norwell from the Jaguars um, to be able to like facilitate them getting that rookie into the lineup sooner rather than later. I don't anticipate that. And I don't know if Norwell is necessarily an upgrade over John Feliciano, but that's really the problem right now is that the Bills have replacement level players in there. Daryl Williams and John Feliciano are starting caliber guards in the NFL with the way that the NFL treats offensive linemen right now. So upgrading there, I don't know if it's going to help. I mean, John Feliciano, after he got smoked against the Pittsburgh Steelers came back, in week two and played like a man with his hair on fire. So maybe he just needs to get that fire lit under his butt um to play a little bit better. I think Mitch Morris has been pretty darn consistent throughout the season and uh has been one of the best, if not the best, offensive linemen on the Buffalo Bills roster. So they already did the shuffle to get Cody Ford out and put Darrell Williams there. You know, I just I think that they're probably as good as they're going to be at this point in the season. And it really should be a place of focus for the 2022 NFL draft. Thanks, Luke, for your question. Truly an honor to talk with you and um, remember your dad. <laughs> we'll stay on Twitter with at Bills GM DY. He asks us, uh, despite being decimated in the secondary and having such talented deep receivers, why didn't we really take advantage of them having backup backups? Well, I think they did do that on the last drive. The Bills went four wide and marched down the field on their last offensive possession. Uh, They just were stopped at the very end. So I think that's part of it. Um, The other thing is that on the second to last drive, Josh Allen was chucking it deep. Even when he had no business doing that, he had guys open underneath on those pass plays. And so... I do think that they were trying to do that. They had guys. Um, it was a combination of those bad decisions by Josh Allen on the second-to-last drive and a couple other things. But I mean, they were going after Brian Borders, the former Buffalo Bills cornerback in uh, Tennessee, who was their, you know, last man standing. Really, they did go after him, and they kept showing that um, even when you know he had a, a good play uh, in the end zone against. Uh, I think it was Stefan Diggs, uh, but I can't really remember. Like, Brian Borders was able to make that play. And so they, they did attack him. Um, it worked really well on the pass interference play, uh, but it also worked um, a little bit later. And then he had a couple plays. He stepped up. So um, I, I do think that they did try and attack the secondary. Um, they just, especially on that second-to-last drive, could have made different decisions with the ball in his hand, in Josh Allen's hand. So thanks for your question. Uh, ABH on Twitter asks us, do we need another big body pass catcher besides Knox in the red zone? Um, I mean, they have Jay Kumaro. He's a really tall uh, physical receiver. Uh, I think he would be the guy that you're going to look at. Um, but no, I don't think they need a big bodied guy. They have quick guys, they have the ability for Knox to um, box guys out. Of course, they have the running game. Um, and if you want to include Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in that, um, the you know, as pass catchers, you can do that too. I just I don't think they need another one other than Kumaro, uh, and you know who the guys they have now. If they wanted one, it was one of the reasons why I thought they might keep Jacob Hollister as their backup tight end, especially because when they were down to Tommy Sweeney as the only active tight end today or on Monday night, that. Um, that could have been really problematic if they needed to go longer, but again, they switched to four wides on that last drive, um, partly because of Knox's injury, um, so they were able to, to handle that. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, at Q and a Next up, let's head over to the voicemail line at 716-508-0405. Yeah, hi, this is Don. Uh, just wanted to see why A.J. Epinesa was left
0: inactive today. Thank you. Bye.
1: Thanks for the question. Um, A.J. Epinesa's snap counts had been dipping over the last couple weeks. He was at 45%, 46% actually in week two against the Miami Dolphins. Um, obviously that was a blowout, so a little bit of late games. Uh, but he had 20 snaps last week, or against Washington, 20 snaps against Houston, and then only played on 33% of the snaps against Kansas City. So he he was trending down. Um, The Bills wanted uh, more stout uh, run defenders in, which is why you saw F.A. Obata uh, active. He's more of that defensive tackle, defensive end hybrid that can be able to play inside and outside, but also just be like a stout run defender. Um, It's hard because... Maybe it was just to light a fire under his butt for the second half of the season. And I mean, they did that last year when they sat him out in the first, was it just the first week or was it a couple weeks at the beginning of the season in 2020? I can't remember, but um, you know, they, they want to, sometimes they do that to send a message, especially to young players. um, And then it will give them a chance later. We saw that with Boogie Basham this year. And so maybe that all plays into it. I think ultimately, he hasn't been very good against the run, and that was the reason that they sat him down when they needed to defend the run against Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Last but not least, we go over to Steven Robertson on Twitter, who says, How does someone recover from heartbreak? Definitely my priority question right now. Well, I think that's the interesting thing, is that last year in 2020, the Bills Had a loss, a heartbreaking loss, on their way into their bye week and had to sit with it um, until, you know, for two whole weeks until their next game. And that's, you know, history repeating itself this year. The Buffalo Bills are going to have to stew on this for a couple weeks and maybe it'll, you know, sit with them and they'll work harder over the bye. They won't be as distracted and it'll refocus them for the rest of the season. I I think that's, you know, helpful for them. As far as for us, I mean, it's, it's nice when your offense throws for 350 plus yards, um, you score 31 points and you say that, you know, if any one of these things goes a different way, then maybe the outcome is different. You know, that kickoff return isn't called back, um. Or maybe holding his called on the Derrick Henry run. Um, Josh Allen doesn't lose his footing on fourth and one, and the Bills are able to score. They, they're they able to score a touchdown on just one of those uh, field goals in the red zone. Like, there's so many different of those little what-if questions that I, th- I think any of those go Buffalo's way, and we're sitting here talking about, you know, a Bills win. And so I'm not mad this morning about that because of, because of that, because because there were so many other ways the Bills could have won this game. And a lot of things had to go wrong for Buffalo in in order for this loss to happen. And so it gives me pause. Like it's not like they got blown, blown out like they did last year. It wasn't just one thing that we can point to and be like, wow, they really need to improve this. Like, I mean, the interior offensive line wasn't great, but even with that, they had a chance to win the game with, you know, whatever it was, 30 seconds left in the game. So you can look at any of those deficiencies that we talked about in this game so far, and one of those is corrected and the Bills win. So I'm not too sad about it. Heartbreak is a little strong for me at this point in the season, um, but I, I definitely feel your pain, Stephen. Um, I tend to fill mine with, with carbs. Um, so when I'm stressed or sad, I eat a lot of food. Um, so chicken wings I know aren't carbs but I eat them there are carbs in chicken wings it's the butter probably Uh, but um, I tend to eat my feelings uh, stinger subs things like that so um, maybe that's your answer I don't know so anyways we have plenty of questions left over folks inundated us uh, for this week's episode, but luckily we have a whole episode to come next week before the bills play again, and we'll hit all the questions we missed this week. If you have questions for any of our future episodes, you can send them in to our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. You can email us Rumlings at sbnation.com. Tweet us rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account. We'll also make their way to Please tune in to the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. They're doing great work on all of our other shows. Go over and make sure you subscribe on whatever you um, are using for your podcasts. Make sure you head over to YouTube and subscribe over there to get notifications um, over there. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere we deliver our content. Um, and tell your friends because it helps us build our network. Thanks and go bills.